This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle. Please get in touch with us on our Facebook page, follow us, like us, whatever it takes. We would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as I know this industry is capable of. And welcome to the Doc and Guru podcast as we head into Christmas. Uh, It's a special podcast uh, this morning. It's a I'm not sure if I'm, I'm delighted or, or, or sad. I'm delighted to have our guest today, but rather sad that this is going to be a, a farewell interview with one of my most long-standing colleagues in media, although these days she's a self-mastery and leadership coach, Yvonne Johnson. Uh, Yvonne, it's great to have you on the show. I'm sad it's our farewell, uh, our farewell discussion. Yeah, we've walked a very long road together, Gordy, and thank you very much for having me here. I'm we have grateful. had, you know, and I, I was trying to piece it all together in my mind, uh, which tells me that you're something of a child prodigy because I've known you for <laughs> for 40 years, which means yeah, you, you exactly. came into media at the age of nine, which uh, yeah, is extraordinary. Exactly. Astonishing, hey? <laughs> <laughs> media director by 12. <laughs> media director at the age of 12. Uh, um, I, I was a media director at the age of uh, 30, but I was behaving like a teenager. That's more or less the same thing. Indeed you were. Shall I share some of those stories? (laughs) You told me emphatically that this was not a kiss and tell show. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm disappointed. So we'll be serious and uh, and talk about serious stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's quite extraordinary to look back over that time yes. and realize how long we've known each other. And I, I know for the past 20 years, you've not really been in media per se, but you still have a a passion and a, and a focus on the industry you've handled uh, in, in terms of your self-mastery and leadership coaching portfolio, some of the top media personalities. So you're close to the game if you're not in the trenches uh, with Absolutely. the rest of us. And I have to say, I'm glad I'm not in the trenches. Uh, yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, it's, <laughs> it looks uh, very complicated these days. Well, this is a good time to, <laughs> to just loop back and say, let's talk a little bit about your journey because you started mm-hmm. off as a, you were a media planner when we first met. I was a yes. sales rep, if I'm not mistaken, for That's the Sunday right. Times. So. That's right. uh, 
we uh, we've had a bit of role reversal over the years but your journey took you through you know the sort of progressive uh, hot seat yeah. until you were uh, the last media slot media director group media director of Ogilvy o- Ogilvy yes. that's correct yes. so talk to us a little bit about that that journey and and some of okay. your recollections so of that I you know when I left school I dropped out of university because I absolutely hated studying so I was quite frankly qualified for nothing I couldn't operate a switchboard. There used to be switchboards in my day. I couldn't type. There was absolutely nothing I could do. Nothing. I was skilled for nothing. And so I ended up waitressing. And I went to London for a while and I waitressed. And then through a bizarre set of circumstances, as has happened right throughout my life, I was invited to temp in an ad agency in London. So my first job in advertising was filling in the Telmar cards with a hard HB pencil that used to go away to the bureau overnight to be printed. Yes, to be processed. Oh, gosh. And after three days in a media department filling out these forms, I went and knocked on the media director's door. His name was uh, Daz Valadaris. And I said, Daz, I love this place. Please, will you teach me media? And he said, hell yes. So that was the beginning of my career. I came back to South Africa six months later. Um, I had, I didn't tell anyone I only had six months of experience and really the experience was filling in Telmar cards, but I was offered a whole lot of jobs and I ended up choosing to go to Barker McCormack uh, to work with John Barham, who everyone told me would be a wonderful boss. And indeed he was, he, he took me under his wing. He taught me so much. And I spent, I spent my whole career learning the next job. So when I was a media buyer, I started to read media strategy, media plans. Then I was a media planner. I started to read media strategy. So the second there was a gap, one layer up the ladder from me, I would go and knock on the MD's office and say, please, can I have that job? And you don't need to pay me more. You can review my salary in three months when I've proved Mm -hmm. I can do it. And that's how I did my whole career. I literally taught my way to the head yeah, of Ogilvy, yeah. which was fantastic. I mean, I think that, that's such an important thought that you've done there. And I think we were going to end with advice for mm. young people, but it seems like we started with good advice. Mm. Preparing for the next job yes. uh, for me is absolutely crucial. Uh, the, the shift in yeah. the dynamic in media, if you're not preparing for the next job, you're in trouble before in you any, start. In any career, actually. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people outsource their careers and wait yeah. for somebody to give them the opportunity. Yeah. I'm one of those people who never waited for that. I also never asked for the money. For me, the money was always secondary. I wanted it when I could do the job, but until I could do the job, I was quite happy to be lowly paid and prove mm. my worth. And also, Gordon, because I I suffered from massive imposter syndrome because I didn't have a university degree, I am a fierce learner. Mm. Every single day, to this day, and I'm nearly 65, to this day I wake up and the first hour of my day is learning. At the moment I'm learning Spanish for obvious reasons, but I'm also learning, I'm always learning something. And I've read every leadership book there is to read. I've studied leadership for now 40 years. And I keep ahead of the game wherever Mm. I can. So, I mean, let's just sort of qualify the Spanish for for the listeners who are not quite sure what (laughs) this uh, get-together is all about. And I must also apologize in advance because 
If you find uh, in Mallorca that you are lonely and none of your media colleagues are, are contacting you, it's probably my fault because I've been telling everyone you'd be going to Malta. So uh, right. not Malta, everyone. <laughs> she's going to Mallorca. Sorry about that. And she's learning Spanish. I'm learning Spanish. And uh, yeah. one of our colleagues here on the podcast, Kevin Kirby, tells me he's stalking you. Yes, because we are friends on Duolingo. Indeed, on Duolingo. And, and he tells me you've put in 365 uninterrupted days. which uh, 367 this morning, yes. 300 67 that sounds a bit yeah. cop to in my language yeah. but nevertheless there we go yeah yeah so so let's take a step back i mean you mm. you uh you you had the big seat at ogilvy um yeah. group media director and from there you moved into a, an even bigger portfolio not yet not yet what i did i i left ogilvy on a whim because i did not like something that the the then ceo did and i literally walked out i've walked out of three jobs that's a little story all on its own actually i've walked out of three jobs in my life probably not good stories to tell until the people die you know people often ask me if i'm writing a book i say no 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 a whole lot of people have to die before i write my book <laughs> but three times in my career i was treated in a way that i did not feel was appropriate and i chose to walk out and ogilvy was one of them um, I then very quickly ended up going to Prime Media for a short time. I went to Nedbank for 17 months, three days, two hours and 14 seconds. And then I realized that I'm just not a corporate gal at all. I'm just mm. not. The people who approve uh, plans in a boardroom and then cancel them in the passage, it's just not the, the way I like to work. So I realized that I needed to craft my own, my own career, my own way. So I set up my own little business doing uh, strategy, facilitation, training. And from there, I was headhunted for the big job. I was headhunted yeah. to start Brand South Africa, um, where I was the first CEO for seven years. So I had the enormous, and I really mean enormous, privilege of working for President Mbeki. Um, I traveled all over the world. Uh, marketing South Africa for investment and tourism. And strangely, my last workshop I ran was for Brand South Africa yeah. last Thursday. Yeah. So I stay connected. I, um, it was an astonishingly privileged time of my life because I wasn't really qualified for that job. In fact, I've never really been qualified for any job I did. But through, again, strange circumstances, it was offered to me. And my skill, if I have a skill, is that I've never been afraid to hire people who were smarter than myself, which was not very difficult. And so I surrounded myself with really brilliant minds. Um, minds like Kiepi Moremi, Simon Barber, uh, um, I can't even think of other people's names at the moment, but I have never been afraid to ask for help. And I had a lot of people who were willing to help me. And I've always hired really mm. smart people. What I'm good at and what I claim wholeheartedly is that I'm a very good manager of people. I allow people to fly and I allow them to grow. So whilst I couldn't do many of those jobs, I could inspire those jobs. Yeah. So it was a wonderful job. I, just, I mean, you know, before we loop back to mm. a phrase you used earlier, which really kind of resonates with me, you know, outsourcing your career. Wow, how much of us have put our lives on hold? I mean, listening to your philosophy of employing um, people who are smarter than you, working with them, nurturing them. Uh, I, I'm taking it as a given that you're not particularly a big fan of Elon Musk. I can't see the two of you getting oh, on well, well I mean, together. Honestly, I, I mean, talk about, I mean, I, you know, also as a, I'm a consciousness coach, so I'm very, very concerned with people's consciousness. And the way he has treated his people is so shocking to me, so shocking. 
And I know because um, probably one of the most conscious leaders in the world today is Ratan Tata, um, whose father started the Tata Group. They've now got 300,000 employees. And Ratan Tata sat on President Mbeki's Investment Council. Mm. So I had the enormous privilege of meeting him several times. And he is truly a conscious leader. What do I mean by that? I mean people who really care about their people and who provide growth for their people. And there is a beautiful case study from Ratan Tata on how he treated his staff who protected the people who were in the Taj Hotel bombing and the enormous financial contribution he made to their lives and their children's mm. lives forever. Very conscious, very caring, very connected to his people. And I'm watching the Twitter debacle and thinking, I wonder if Elon cares for anyone because what we're seeing, and there might be a strategy, he might be an absolute genius, mm. and there might be a strategy behind what he's doing, but I don't like to ever see people fired by email or not treated mm. well. I mm. really don't, it's not, yeah. not how I like to operate. Just on reflection, I mean, why is it that so much of the wisdom, you know, that we're sort of extracting these days, and you've just made an observation there, um, is from the East, and yet the, the, the industry and, and much of our business orientation is still very Western oriented. Mm. We, we, we look at Western Europe in media for trends, we look at North America for trends, we should be looking at India, Indonesia, Malaysia. Uh, yeah. what, is, what is it about Eastern wisdom that, that you find appealing in oh, terms of, of building, uh, you know, sort of self-mastery and, 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 and equipping people with self-leadership skills? That's such an interesting question, Gordon. I've never really thought about it, to be honest. But I think there's a gentleness in the East, and I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about the big powerhouse in mm, the East, but mm. if you go to places like Vietnam and Thailand, there's like an inherent gentleness in the people. Um, I'm actually coaching somebody who lives between Thailand and Vietnam at the moment and he talks a lot about the gentleness of that culture and how the harshness that we are used to dealing with is completely inappropriate in those environments. Yeah. So I, I think that the East has a great deal. It also seems to be older. There's like longer history and longer yeah. connection to source if you like. Um, yeah. That informs us. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it, it's an old truism, but, you know, it's, there's nothing in life is permanent except short-term solutions, you yeah. know. And, and maybe in that old wisdom is, is the longer, playing the longer game, you know, watching China, for instance, at the moment, playing the long game is fascinating. I think they always do that, yeah. We're, we're playing, you know, for a win over the weekend, yeah. and they're playing for the win in, you know, 200 years' time, you know. And, yeah. uh, I think that's part of their philosophy is that yeah. they, they seem to be less egotistical, less hung up on what's in it for mm. me, yeah. and more concerned with what's in it for us, yeah. and how are we going to create a legacy and perpetuate mm -hmm. the good stuff yeah. so coming back to brand SA I mean you know the halcyon years mm -hmm. uh, you were just. there were, were, were marvelous we became uh, flavor of of the month uh, yeah. you know repeatedly uh, around the world yeah. I mean the 2010 World Cup and it was just one uh, triumph national right. triumph after another where have we been derailed what do we have to do to to sort of find ourselves and get back on track Wow You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. I don't know that I really want to have that conversation because I don't have very many polite things mm -hmm. to say. Um, you know, ironically, 
a uh, year after, and you know, I was fired from Brand South Africa, so that's quite uh, clearly on the record always. I was fired for having a meeting with Jacob Zuma when he was the incoming ANC president. Um, it's not a decision I regret at all because I did, he was going to be my next boss. And if I had my time over again, knowing what the consequence would mm. be, I would still do that. I still believe it was the right thing to do. Um, strangely enough, I was in France on holiday 10 months later when his office called and asked me if I would go back. But by then the, the board and the structure had changed and there was a person in government who I'm not going to name on this podcast, but who I absolutely refused to work mm. with or for. Um, and so I turned the job down. I'm very grateful I did because I think I would ultimately have been fired twice for insubordination. And I think to be fired once by a president is a magnificent thing to have on your CV. But to be fired twice by a president is not such a good yes, idea. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's the phrase? Yeah, strikes one as being somewhat careless. Yes, yeah. somewhat careless. Um, but I think that, you know, the Guptas, who were the source of much of our pain, were brought into government by Esau Pahad. I had a Gupta sitting on my board. Mm, Ajay Gupta mm. sat on the Brand South Africa board. And I never forget the moment I sat in his office and he told me that Ajay was going onto the board. And I said, why are you bringing an Indian onto the Brand South Africa board? It makes no sense mm. to me. And I mean an Indian from India. An India from India, yeah, yeah. yes. Because it didn't make any sense yeah. to me. And he said... Well, because we're going to be doing a lot of trade and we're setting up um, air flights and all sorts of things mm, with mm. India. And, of course, trade with India is an amazing thing because it's a fabulous country, fabulous, fabulous country. But that was the beginning of the rot. And I think that what has happened to South Africa is immensely sad. And, you know, I, I loved our slogan, Alive with Possibility. Mm. It still resonates deeply with me. It still gives me goosebumps. And I'm terribly sad that I don't no longer think that we are alive with possibility. Mm -hmm. I think there has been far too much negativity around um, the behavior of our leaders, unfortunately. Yeah. And leadership is my topic. You know, I yeah. look at that and I think if only most corporates don't teach their people leadership, mm. but if only our ministers and our leaders had been taught how yeah. to lead, yeah. we'd have a different country. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, uh, looping back and thinking about leadership and, and taking control of your own destiny and that phrase you, you, you talked about earlier, outsourcing your, your career. Um, you, you've talked about walking away from positions which, mm. where you felt compromised yep. uh, and or gracefully accepting being fired mm. twice. Um, <laughs> once. Yeah, once, you know. Um, but <laughs> at, at the end of the day, I mean, one of the things which is defining young people's interaction with corporate life, you said you're not a corporate girl, um, is the big resignation. Yeah. So when you, when you, when you observe that, what, what are you seeing? I mean, it's, it seems to be a question of getting balance, balance between work, between life, and, and just aspiration. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of toxic leadership, a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of people, you know, I always say people without power will use force. Mm. There's a lot of forceful stuff, like you will do, and this mm. is the way it's done. And to be honest, the youth of today are going, hell no, I don't want to be spoken to like that. Yeah. Why would I want to? And, you know, I do a lot of corporate training, and I see a lot of very toxic environments mm. and difficulties, people putting massive pressure on their people to deliver without much support, without clarity of objectives, without clarity of expectations, and some very, very harsh treatment. So I think a lot of our leaders tell, they don't ask, a lot of them shout, they don't inquire. 
Um, and that's the self-mastery of the work that I do, is yeah. like how do you step into personal leadership and become a leader in your own life? Um, for me, one of the greatest leadership roles anyone can play is as a parent, and yet people scream at their children all the time. Do you know what damage you're doing to your mm. kids when you scream at them? You know, it's, it's, there's unhealthy behavioral stuff going on. And when people can master that, they become better leaders. Yeah. And in Conscious Capitalism, which is one of my favorite books that I read 15 years ago, they have done empirical research which shows that a conscious leadership, conscious company will have a 25% higher revenue mm. because a conscious leader will create happy people and happy people are inevitably more productive. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I... I listening to you reflecting on something my father told me you know many many years ago as a young boy growing up he said you find two people in life those that demand your respect and those that command your respect yes, and, I love you, know, that. you know and for me yeah. i've never forgotten that and i think it's a great differentiator mm. you know, too many of our political leaders are demanding respect yeah. but doing nothing to Absolutely. command it you know? and they want the the accolade but they don't want the responsibility yeah. of accountability that yeah. goes with yeah. it yeah. and you know you, <clears throat> you're talking as well about young people being being kind of left out there or being bogged on and having said that we've talked about this on the show before and you'll know him from uh, your ogilvy days you've never been cucked on in your life till you've been cucked on by bob Wrightford. oh he but gets a whole chapter in my he gets book. a whole chapter <laughs> but i will say in his defense he never cucked on you unless he was right and that made wow. a big difference shall i tell you about my big please do yeah. <laughs> bob oh my god as i said to him once when i saw him i said you get a whole chapter china um it was 1990, end of 1993, Ogilvy were doing the Business Election mm. Fund campaign, which in fact is where I worked so incredibly with Ken on putting all of the voting messages into taxis all those years ago. And uh, Bob was running it. We had like four months to put the whole thing around the election together. I remember having an Excel spreadsheet that had every single station and media type down the left-hand side and every day to the election on and we were literally planning mm. what ads went into Nell Spread and what ads went into KZN and uh, Bob called me and asked me on the on the stairs I don't know if any of you remember the old Ogilvy in Cape Town it was like a giant barn and it had a big circular staircase and I was on the staircase and Bob came out of his office and in front of the entire agency he started saying have you spoken to whoever the head of Naspers was it was all the old Brudebond guys and I said no Bob I've spoken to my rep and in front of the entire agency, <laughs> he crapped on me to raise my game and get into the CEO's offices of the SABC, of Nas National Press, of Republican Press, and get free media space. And I cried all the way home. And the next day, I went and made appointments with all the CEOs. <laughs> and on, on April 28th, the day after the election, Bob called me into his office and he said, Johnston, you've got the biggest balls I've ever, ever worked with. And that is the greatest thing anybody <laughs> ever said to me in my whole career. <laughs> Well, I mean, speaking of body parts, I mean, I, what I do remember <laughs> about the offices in Ogilvy, on the roof there was a there was oh, a yeah. window yes. uh, at which periodically during parties, body parts, the uh, rooftop club, the rooftop club yes. appeared, as I yes. recall. So yes. we won't talk about that. It's a famous, family show. Yeah, the famous rooftop club. Yes. <laughs> but coming back to you know, abandon the, the the young folks that are being sort of yeah. 
given a hard time without necessarily being given control mm-hmm. over their destiny. I mean, we've argued many times on, on the podcast that transformation without training is abandonment. Of I mean, I'm is. seeing young people being thrown to the to the wolves of here without give, equipping them with the mm. skills, without equipping them with the confidence uh, to question things. Um, and uh, that that's a big concern for me. I mean, you on you and I grew up, grew up together with Amasa mm-hmm. to many uh, in many respects. Our alma mater. We sure. played a critical role. You certainly contributed over many years. Um, what, what's your feeling in terms of the way we're equipping young people, whether it's in media or just generally? And you've dealt with some spectacular young people in recent years, Miss South Africa. Yeah. I've forgotten the names. You, you'll have to help me. How, how have you equipped them? To, to be global winners and, and what do we need to do locally to, to give young people a chance at being a, being a winner even within the confines of their own discipline? You know, I agree with you that people are being abandoned. Um, by the same token, a large portion of my practice is young black professionals who come for coaching mm. and leadership. And I have to tell you that the quality of those people brings tears to my eyes. They are absolutely amazing. And when I coach people like that, I think, wow, South Africa's in good hands, good future hands. Um, I got into the Miss South Africa organization. After Zosie Tunzi, who was um, Miss South Africa, she went on to win Miss Universe. So Zosie is a very beautiful woman from the Eastern Cape, wins Miss South Africa, goes and wins Miss Universe, lands up living in a penthouse in New York, two million Instagram followers and she's a baby Mm. and her final words before she was crowned Miss Universe when they asked her what do young girls need today she said they need leadership training and the Miss South Africa organization which I'm very proud to work with picked up on those words and decided that from then on they were going to teach these girls leadership right from the very beginning So for the last three years, I start with top 30 and I do some training and then top 10 and I do six weeks of training with the top 10 and then top three for the whole year. Mm. Because these girls are catapulted into the stratosphere overnight and they're all under 25. They have very little life experience, but they are all exquisitely beautiful and very smart very smart. I mean, our Miss South African Davi Nukeri of this year, she's uh, got a BCom. Last year, um, last year, uh, Lalela was a fully qualified ballerina and a lawyer. The year before, Shudafatsu got her master's in philosophy. So we're dealing with really smart women here, but no life experience. Mm-hmm. And they need to be equipped with skills on how to be confident, how to push back, how to have the difficult conversations, mm-hmm. how to operate in integrity so that people trust you and respect you. So that's what I do with them, and it's fabulous. And, and I, I must say that you know I'm fortunate enough to to be going around, uh, you know, training you know, young people in media um, mm-hmm. to a degree anyway, not nearly as much as I'd like to do. But I'm I'm seeing exactly the same thing, pound for pound. The young people I'm seeing today are better equipped, more intelligent, more qualified in marketing uh, and communication than I was at the same age. Absolutely. But they're, they're not be given the support and they're not be given the encouragement. Um, and so, you know, they're just not evolving. You know, um, what what is the phrase you use? Preparing for the next job. Yeah. We haven't even prepared them for this job, let exactly. alone equip them to the self-propel themselves for the yeah. next one, uh, which which is a deep concern. Um, coming back to some of the people who've influenced you, I mean, you mentioned John Barham, and yeah. and I, I'd love to get John on the on the show because he was just 
rock solid, if, you know, as oh, the kind of person. What a great you know, first, what a great boss. first yeah. boss. I mean, just the disciplines were there and, and, and leading from the front. Never asked you to do anything, you know, he was that he wasn't prepared kind to do himself. Person yeah. to work for. Yeah. yeah. And I had a, have a great deal of respect for him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's just playing golf all, all the month. John, if you're listening in here, it's about time you gave up the golf and came in for a podcast exactly. sometime. <laughs> Share so, your wisdom. Yeah. So beyond, uh, you know, going to Mallorca specifically, um, what, what's next for uh, Yvonne? Well, you know, maybe I should talk a little bit about why I'm going. Um, because I'm not running away from South Africa. I'm running to something. It was a lockdown decision. I was in, I live in an exquisite apartment on the Houghton Golf Course, and I have been there for 10 years. I didn't see my son, who is my only, my, I've got four stepchildren, but my only own child. And he had chosen to go and work on the yachts in Mallorca. And for two, two, 22 months, I didn't see him. And I thought, this is not how I want to live. I just don't. I don't want to be in a mm. place where I don't have access to my son who is very special. I've been a single mother since he was three. We are very close and we've shared our lives, you know. In addition to which, I looked at my life and I thought, do I want to live anywhere else in Johannesburg? And the answer was no, because quite frankly, I live in the best possible place. But do I want to live here and get into my old age in this place? Mm. And I decided, no, I don't. I need more aliveness. I need more challenge. I'm, I've always responded well to challenge. And so my move is to challenge myself and to create aliveness mm. for myself and to make sure that I'm fit and healthy and that I'm a perpetual student until the day I die. I'm very fortunate that my work is on an iPad. I pick up my mm. iPad and quite mm. frankly, I can be lying on a beach in Mallorca and I can still mm. coach you. Mm. Mm. So I've become... My business is global. I literally have clients in, I don't know, 14 different countries at the moment. So everyone's in different time zones. I get onto Zoom and I coach, and then I yeah, get off and I have yeah. a half hour break. So life has become so easily easy for me to move. Mm, mm. And I want the challenge of learning Spanish. I want the challenge of making new friends. Yeah. I want the challenge of new golf courses. Yeah. You know, I want yeah, well, and you, I've, I've played uh, in that part of the world, um, and the golf courses are quite spectacular. Yeah. So that's one thing you're going to have a feast of. Absolutely. And Jeremy, if, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you'll be relieved that to discover that your mother's not going to Malta; she's actually going to Mallorca. <laughs> <laughs> he will be relieved. <laughs> yes. Yvonne, I, I, yeah, it's it's just been such a wonderful journey, and and we've known each other and been such good friends for for so long. We've had. I was going to do something, you know, and say, like, we've never had a bad word, but we've had a couple of tough words, but I think maybe that's old school. We have tough words, and you, and it's dealt with, and you get on with it. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm just watching some of the, the developments in the industry in the last week or two where having tough words um, is just not something people do. They want to do it in, in a court. It's like, you know, watching yeah. the ad industry and the Luries recently, it's a bit like watching, you know, the, the ANC-NEC conference. I'm yeah. a bit alarmed by that, to be honest. Yeah, it's, I, I always say that only weak people go to the law. You know, if you're a strong person, you'll sit down, you'll work it out. And I, I fear this culture of, mm. you know, calling on a lawyer to resolve any issue. Mm personal or professional yeah, yeah. yeah you know that was the decision i made when i was leaving brand south africa because every lawyer in town phoned me offering their services and i thought do i really want to sue the president i don't think so and in fact it was there and then that i took a decision that i will never go legal on any issue mm. you want my staff come and take it really yeah yeah mm. 
Well, one final thought, um, you know, just in a wrap, one sentence, advice for, for young South Africans in terms of self-affirmation, in terms of not outsourcing their careers, you know. Yeah, I think, I think my one piece of advice would be to not settle. Don't accept mediocrity in yourself or anyone else. And show up 100% every single day. Because if you show up fully and you are fully present and you squeeze the juice out of that day, you'll be able to look back, as I do great, gratefully, I look back on my life and say, what a fabulous life I've had. And I have. I'm, I feel extremely blessed. I have astonishing friends. I've had a beautiful career where mm. I have loved just about every single day. And I feel like a truly graced human being. Mm. And I've done that because right from the beginning of my life, I showed up and I did the best I could every single day. To all our listeners out there, I certainly can't wrap it up any better than that. Yvonne Johnson, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, good luck for the for the journey. We look thank forward to, to, to chatting to you. And uh, we were chatting a little bit offline. I'm certainly looking forward to hearing your first podcast because I think the yeah. kind of uh, I'd love to do that. This kind of things you're doing and the way you are able to articulate would be a valuable contribution. So to all the listeners out there, uh, thanks for joining us. To Yvonne Johnson, thanks for being in studio. And remember, let's keep talking. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook. Like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Matanz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.